0: Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Let's start this morning with our Scripture Memory Passage Review. So if you know Acts 2, uh, 41 and or 42 stand up and we'll see who can get it. You going to say them this morning? That's awesome. You're like, nope, I'm standing for the wrong reason. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right, I got Chris Chris and Amy. Yeah, yeah. All right, you ready Miss Amy? Let's do it. Okay. Then those who gladly received his word yes. were baptized. Yes, they were. In that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Is that a cool thing or what? Like 3,000 people. A lot. When you have a number with a comma in it that gets added, that's a big number. So, a big yes. Point. And there's another verse too, yeah. <laughs> know, yeah, and I'm messing with you, I know, I know. And they said, fastly
1: continued in yes. the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers.
0: Yes, absolutely. Very good. Very good, very good. All right, Chris, you got it?
2: Even more. Uh, And those who received the word gladly were baptized, and about 3,000 souls were added that day. Yes. And they kept steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine of fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer.
0: Absolutely. Nice. Good job. Good job. Anybody else? Going once? Going twice? All right. So at the end of the lesson, or or now, you could either one. Uh, But the. The prize table is up here. So for each verse that you say, you get to pick something. And I uh, would encourage you to pay attention to those. If you flip over to the back side of the bottom of your handout, that is the, uh, the Scripture memory passage for next week. So if you want to come in ready to say that, uh, and you don't have to say the whole thing. So if you just say one verse is cool. Uh, but uh, that's the scripture memory passage for next week, and be ready for that. All right, so flip back over to the front side. Uh, we are in week six of the systematic theology doctrine of the church. Uh, I hadn't brought the book in in a while, so I figured I'd bring the book in and show you where we are. Uh, next week, we get to chapter 50. So we've we've covered the, the big chunk here. We get to chapter 50, and we cross the 1,000-page mark next week. So I'm... I'm excited about that, so being a numbers guy that I am. So we're in uh, week six of the uh, doctrine of the church, and a couple blanks here for you while you get started. Today we're going to talk about baptism, Uh, and Grudem's quote here is, "...even the most conscientious Baptist would not object to calling baptism a testament to inner grace." While Catholics would not object to calling baptism a channel that mediates grace. So inner grace and then mediates grace. So let's talk about where we've been just a little bit. Um, Last week we looked at the means of grace, which is just a mechanism. It's a a phrase that is used uh, to describe how God uh, can use things that exist to give grace to us. And and there's a a distinct difference in the Protestant view of this and a uh, Catholic view of this. The Protestant view of this is that these things are a reflection of and an outpouring of some change that has been that has occurred on the inside of a believer. So that God has given grace, there is salvation that has occurred. and then these things are an outflow of that, and God uses those things then, to return grace back to the believer. The Catholic view of this, is that these things are ways that God gives grace all along the life of a believer for the purpose of salvation. So whole different philosophy. And it, and it may not sound like much verbally, but it's a completely different view of the world. So if you think about the timeline of your life, so your birth and your death, let's do that. <clears throat> so your birth and your death, and at some point you are justified, right? There's salva- the, the quote-unquote moment of salvation occurs, the Catholics would view that that is not really the way things work, that these things are added and added and added and added and added so that when you get to the end of your life, the sum total of all of these sacraments results in salvation. The Protestant view is that when you get to that moment of justification, which is probably more like two thumbs up, that that at that time, then these things God uses to apply grace into our lives which is great but it is not these are not used for the purpose of salvation this is an output of salvation as opposed to an input of salvation this is an input of salvation so that at death you are actually saved you see the big difference in those two so basically that i mean this is the reason the reformation happened is because of what's up on this page all right, so that's how big this idea is. And today, as we look at baptism, baptism and, and next week the Lord's Supper are two very, very clear examples of what that difference really looks like in practical ways. So, with that as the introduction, let's get started. Now, I did use a, a phrase here. What was the word that I used to describe these? It started with an S. Anybody remember? The sacraments. the sacraments, yes. Now, when we talk about... We we talked last week about the Eucharist and that the Eucharist is uh, roughly equivalent-ish, and we'll talk about that a little bit next week, uh, to the Lord's Supper and then baptism here and baptism here. When you see baptism defined in a Protestant list, it is not the same thing as baptism defined in a Catholic list. And we're going to talk about those differences today. So, y'all ready? There may or may not be a couple of words today that are difficult to spell, and I may or may not have put them in the PowerPoint. So, um, And I may or may not ask a young visitor that I would love to embarrass today uh, how to spell something and see how good his theological education really is. So we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll go with that. I just said I was going to be nice at the beginning. I didn't say I was going to be nice the whole way through, right? All right, so let's talk about baptism. We'll talk about the mode and meaning of baptism. So uh, the mode of baptism, the practice of baptism, here's your next blank. In the New Testament was carried out in one way. The person being baptized was immersed, here's your next blank, immersed or put completely under the water and then brought back up again. That is the mode of baptism. The mode just means the, the method in which it is done. Uh, now, there are a lot of modes of baptism today, but none of them, other than immersion, really reflect what the Bible explicitly shows and illustrates. So let's go to Mark 1, Mark chapter 1, verses uh, 5 and 10. And for those of you that are new, anytime you see a highlighted verse on your handout, that's where we're going to turn in the scripture. All the other verses uh, I would love to get to, but you would not enjoy a four-hour Sunday school lesson. So, well, there's a trade-off. There's like two of you that would enjoy a four-hour Sunday school lesson, so me and Darla, but that's... That's about it. I told that joke to Julie one time, and my wife, and she was like, yeah, nobody, nobody would enjoy that. I was like, Darla would. Darla would enjoy a four-hour Sunday school class. So there's that. All right. So who's got Mark uh, 1, verse 5? So in the New Testament, there's Matthew, and then there's Mark, and then we're in the first chapter of Mark. Skip, you got it?
1: And all the land of Judea, Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins.
0: Where? Where were they baptized? Jordan River. What was the word before Jordan River? The. And the word before the is? With him in the Jordan. In the Jordan River, yes. It didn't say around. It didn't say on the bank. It said in the Jordan. They got in the Jordan River, right? And then skip ahead to verse 10. What does verse 10 say? And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Yes. So the thing I like about this chapter is that Grudem starts us off... Wait for it in the shallow end. And we get deeper as we go. Oh, no kidding, right? He does not need to... I may take that out of the podcast just to make sure he does not ever hear that, right? That would be bad. All right, so the, the reason... Uh, that they used the word baptize here. It's the Greek word baptizo, and it literally means to dip under. Uh, It it has several different usages in uh, first century uh, Greek language. One was to dye clothing. So if you want to, if you know anything about coloring clothing, if you want to dye clothing, how much of that garment needs to get covered with fabric, get covered with dye? Like all, as much as you want dyed, right? I mean, that's that's how this works. Uh, The word was also used of a sinking ship. So if if a ship sinks, like it sinks... How much of it goes underwater? All. all of it. Now, there's a portion of it that can go underwater and then you need to get off, but if it sinks, it is all underwater. So, that's what the word just means, right? So, then we talk about the meaning of baptism. Let's look at Romans 6, uh, 3 and 4, and then we'll go to Colossians 2, 12. Stephen, you got Romans 6, 3 and 4? Do you not know
2: that all of us have been
0: so, baptized... Sorry, I'm- so one of the cool things about Romans... I'm really excited today. It's like I don't know. I set a lot of energy today. One of the things I, I love about Romans is that Romans takes all these shadows and all these ideas and all these accumulated loose ends, sometimes in the Old Testament and sometimes in the Gospels. And, and Paul just, he says, this is what it means, right? Here is the substance that we've really been talking about this whole time. So let's come with 6, 3, and 4.
2: Do you not know that all of us who have been, who have been baptized... Into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as, re- just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life.
0: Yeah, so, and we've heard these words before, right? This is typically what you hear in a Baptist church when somebody is baptized, buried with him in death, raised to walk in newness of life. Everybody claps, yay. You throw the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in there somewhere, and you've got a baptism, right? <laughs> Right, So um, <clears throat> very straightforward process. And, and the, the reason that we, that we think, and it's kind of because Romans 6, 3, and 4 says it, is that that immersion under the water pictures the, the death, the burial. So that the going down is the dying. The underwater is the burial. The coming back up is the raise, the new life. It is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. So then Colossians 2.12. He's got Colossians 2.12. Sheldon, oh, I thought you said Sheldon. I was like, he is not in the room. Like, like, we will probably not finish the baptism lesson if Sheldon Cooper walked in the room. So. Sorry. I don't, that. I don't know how you follow that. We're just going to go straight to Scripture.
1: Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the
0: dead yeah so I, I love this verse because Paul makes it very very abundantly clear that the baptism here is not what saves us right There's a little phrase there in faith the faith is what is the what is uh, the, salv, the salvific act is tied to it is not tied to the actual baptism itself so so that's the, the mode and the meaning of baptism pretty straightforward what the Bible talks about. Um, and then we get to the subjects of baptism, which is not, are we going to change the subject, but who should actually get baptized. And we've got a couple terms for you, because what's a good lesson without terms? Uh, so there's, there's several different, if you get really theological, there's several different views, but mostly there's two views in Christianity. Uh, the first view is represented by... And the best kind of picture I could come up with, have you guys seen these churches that they baptize somebody and they give you a shirt when you get baptized? And it's got some cool phrase that says, uh, I'm getting wet today or something that, you know. But typically has some statement reflecting what you have stated in order to actually get baptized. This is what's known as believer's baptism. It's the idea that before, and the word is baptism If you put the, if you cover up baptism, credo looks like creed, Uh, and the idea is that this is what I believe. The word creed in Latin means this is what I believe, so this is believer's baptism is what you may have heard it referred to in your church growing up, Uh, but credo-baptism is I'm making some type of a profession, and then baptism follows, so that it requires not just salvation, but a profession of my salvation, and then baptism would occur, which Um, There's a whole lot of evidence for this in the Bible, which is kind of why we do it. So let's go to Acts uh, 2.41. Now, points number one and number two below are the Credo-Baptist points. So you're welcome, Mm -hmm. right? This is probably not one that you've spelled this week. Anybody use the word Credo-Baptist in conversation this week? I did, and I got a really funny look. So, (laughs) yeah. Not speaking in tongues, that's four weeks from now. So, Acts 2, uh, 41, who's got it? Then they that received his word were baptized, and there were added unto them in that day about 3,000 souls. Yeah, so the receiving of the word. So there's some type of a reception of the gospel message. And then there was baptism, right? So what's the next verse? 8, uh, 12, Acts 8, 12. Yes. So just in case you thought, well, it's just a men thing. No, it's not just a men thing. It's a men and women thing. It's a believer thing in the New Testament, which is really, really good. So uh, there's just all these narrative, and we're not going to read all of them in Acts there, but there's quite a few narrative passages uh, on baptism in the New Testament. Uh, Then the argument from the meaning of the word baptism. So we just read Romans 6, 3, and 4, so let's read it again. It's hard to get too much of Romans. Oh, I forgot to tell you. You all know what we're doing in 2017? Romans. The whole year. Verse by verse all the way through Romans. I've already started trying on hip waders. It's going to get deep. Oh, that was a good joke for baptism day, wasn't it? Nice. Awesome. Romans 6, 3, and 4. Where is Julia? Yeah. So this is something to pray for. Anna Grace bumped her head. She was doing the dishes on Friday. Had a cabinet door open. She stood up and whacked her head. She didn't pass out. Didn't throw up. Didn't like blackout or anything, but it's had a headache and been dizzy, and you know, if you think you've got a concussion, the answer is rest and don't stare at a bunch of moving stuff. So she's resting, and Julie's mothering doing that. so so I have nobody uh, no, filter. no filter today in the room. <laughs> so, which is why we're going to stick close to the scripture today. So Romans six, three and four.
2: You don't read it in
0: the King James. On this one. Okay, I switch it up on me here. Here we
2: go. Know ye not that so many of us are baptized into Jesus Christ or baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, we can see this idea that, that credo baptism is the New Testament model and example. Uh, there are, however, a few alternative views. Right. So, what would Christianity be without alternative views? Uh, Unified, most likely. But that's a whole other issue. Uh, So, alternative number one: uh, the Roman Catholic view. So, the Roman Catholic Church. Now, so before I get into this, so, so when I say the Roman Catholic Church, what I am saying is that the predominant teaching of the majority of the Roman Catholic doctrine would align with this. When I say the Protestant view, I would say that the majority teaching of the doctrine of the Protestant faith would align with this. Will you find Roman Catholics that do not agree with this? Yes. Will you find Baptists that do not agree with the Baptist view that I'm about to present? Yes. Remember the Wild Wild West picture a couple weeks ago? There are variations in all of this. We are painting with broad brushes. I am being very transparent about this, but this is what... like. Uh, if you were going, let's say, going to the priesthood, the Roman Catholic priesthood, you would be taught something very, very close to this. There would just be a lot more terms associated with it. So here we go. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that baptism should be administered to infants, infants. And, and the reason for this um, is here. Right? This is the means of grace. We want to start the dispensing of grace into the life of a human being so that salvation can occur as soon as possible. And if you believe that God works salvation through these actions, this makes incredible sense. I do not want to delay. I want to get started as fast as possible. Does that make sense? So for salvation... If that's what we were taught. Absolutely. In case there was a death before they ever got the yep. confirmation, then it's and we're going to have a lot of fun with that, with point number four here in just a minute. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because that that particular view is not necessarily restricted to just Catholics. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got a little broader uh, perspective. So. If I should what? Uh, yeah, not exactly, but we'll <laughs> uh, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, to my visiting friend, the word for this is paedo-baptism, all right? So I need you to spell Pato baptism for me. Starts with a P, right? <laughs> Excellent. Stop there. All right. Uh, P-A-E-D-O-baptism. P-A-E-D-O-baptism. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I gave you the, that's number four, but that's all right. So let's go a little deeper into uh, why baptism should be administered. Why the belief there's a belief that baptism should be administered to infants. Um, We talked about the two lists, didn't we? Yeah, we just talked about the two lists. All right. So I'm going to read you a quote from uh, Grudem here, objecting to this view. The Reformation centered upon this issue. Martin Luther's great concern was to teach that salvation depends on faith alone, not on faith plus works. But if baptism and participating in the other sacraments are necessary for salvation because they are necessary for receiving saving grace, then salvation is really based on faith plus works, right? Yeah. And in contrast to this, the clear New Testament message is that justification is by faith alone. So that is our issue with uh, infant baptism. Now, the the interesting thing is that, is this not like the cutest thing in the world? Like, really? It is like the most absolutely adorable. And there there are internet memes about this. Have you seen this? Or the little babies, like, they, they, this dude in the robe took me into church and tried to drown me. And my parents just stood there taking pictures. You know, it's like, it's hilarious. But it, that just doesn't align with anything in the New Testament uh, that I see as clear direction on baptism. So uh, alternative number two, number four there, is uh, the Protestant pato baptist view. <clears throat> So another important view here is that baptism is rightly administered to all infant children of believing parents. And those of you that have come out of a uh, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Methodist, Presbyterian, and some Reformed churches may have experienced or seen this. Anybody seen this in those types of churches? Yep. Okay. I've actually never personally witnessed a uh, pedobaptism. I've always kind of wanted to watch one, but it feels like there'd be a lot of crying involved. But I don't. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's just. Usually at, at that point that's where the godparents are given to them. So does that help with the crying somehow or is that just <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you had a crying comment. That was the No. You're Like oh have you have you served as a godparent for somebody? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Good. They're to be present and to be announced as a godparent. That's the way I we don't do it. All right. Interesting. Yes, Michelle. Godparents.
1: But um, as a child I was sprinkled yep. in a Methodist church. Yep. I was probably like four years
0: old, but it's okay. a common practice. Yep. And it's still certainly
1: as infants, but
0: Right. It, yes, there's a there's a spectrum there, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so let's talk for a second, let's get really, really practical. Why would we why would we prefer an approach like this? It is substantially easier, right? I mean what do we have to do when we baptize somebody in a baptist church? You got to heat up the water, right? That's what y'all don't see because you don't want to be getting... The two most interesting baptisms that I ever personally saw, one was, the guy was about 75 and we we may have forgotten to turn the hot water heater on. And it was cold water. And he put his foot in and he turned around and looked at me and he said, hmm. (laughs) And that was it. And I was like... I'm glad you stopped there because I don't know what the, I don't, like, everybody's ready. We're about to go in. Uh, and the second was we had a, a, an a elderly lady, the same thing we always use as the elderly, that's not cool. Uh, an elderly lady, and apparently the, the temperature gauge wasn't working properly. And it was a sauna. I mean, I thought it felt really, really good. But she did not She did not feel like that it was uh, appropriate. So we, we actually backed out and didn't do that one. This was back at the Chattanooga campus maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. But it had some wiring issue. They went in and fixed it, and it was okay then. But it was it was really hot. Like when you open the door, the steam hits you, and you're like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> so... This is this is shockingly more simple from a just go execute right. You, uh, got, the on. you got the waiters on, yeah, yeah. I All have right. A about that. Yes. Ask, okay, so, so I reserve the right to ask somebody who may have actually seen one if you have a question no, about it's the. Not, it's
2: not about that, but when they're when that, that child then becomes safe, yes. there are second batches.
0: Uh, depends on the denomination. So most of the denominations would say no because you've already checked that box. But there are a, a, a very few, like in some evangelical free churches, they would do a second post-conversion uh, baptism. So, in some. it's it, This is where you start to get into it depends on that local congregation's application of their particular faith's beliefs. So... When yes. I, as, a,
1: as I got older and I made a profession of faith, and I, I went to a separate church for my mom because she was Korean and I went to an English speaking church. Okay. Um, she, I, I told her that I had made this profession of faith and being yeah. baptized, and she absolutely begged me not to do it yeah. and would not come to my baptism.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it, the view is that it would invalidate what had been done earlier because that wasn't sufficient, and necessary, right? I she never really yeah.
1: explained it in her Koreanness. Yeah. <laughs> in her Koreanness. All right. But, um,
0: I want to ask a lot of questions about that, but I'm not going to. So, all
1: right.
2: <laughs> yes, sir? In, in, in when you were baptized as a child, when you accepted Jesus Christ
1: as your Savior, you went through a confirmation. Yes. That was like, right. it wasn't yep. pre-baptism, it was confirmation. Yeah. Same, same thing in the Methodist church as yep. well. It's like the the infant baptism is like, the, the, you're on hold. Yes. And then when you do go through confirmation... We're going to
0: talk about why you're on hold here in a second, too. It's cool stuff, yeah. But it's, it's keep going, sorry.
1: But then once you go through confirmation then that's the real deal and then that actually
0: meant something. And, yes. You know, there's yep. Lots of flavors. All right, so let's talk about why a Protestant would do this, right? So let's it's kind of you kind of got to go back a little bit Old Testament, which is the 4A blank, infants were circumcised in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant. Anybody know what day? The Eighth day. Yes. Why the eighth day? Cuz God said the eighth day. <laughs> There's actually a medical reason, right? Yes, I've heard this before. That, what was the answer? Yeah,
1: the factors, everything. Huh?
0: Yes. Blood clots at the appropriate rate at that point, which you don't want to cut a child and then bleed out. I mean, that, this would be shockingly awful, right? So uh, there's a couple uh, parallels to this concept. There are also some problems with this when you translate it into the New Testament, because who was circumcised on the eighth day in the Old Testament? Boys, Boys. Yeah. ladies God. you're out, <laughs> nothing to do there, right nothing to do there um, Romans I put in your notes uh, romans two twenty eight and twenty nine and the nine and six, right those verses talk about uh, that circumcision was actually a heart issue, it was intended it was a shadow again for something that was going to come later that was going to be a change in our hearts to reflect something larger. So point B here is baptism is parallel to circumcision. Um, I read you a a quote here from Grudem. Again, this this is Grudem describing a point he does not agree with. I'll read his argument to it in just a second. So in the New Testament, the outward sign of entrance into the covenant community is baptism. Therefore, baptism is the New Testament counterpart to circumcision. It follows that baptism should be administered to all infant children of believing parents. To deny them this benefit is to deprive them of a privilege and benefit that is rightfully theirs, the sign of belonging to the community of God's people, the covenant community. And you go, okay. Feels like we could maybe accept some of that, sort of. What would, so you know me. You know how I respond. What's my response to that?
1: Well,
0: it's Show me. <laughs> I'm not from Missouri, but like, where is that in the Bible that we are to baptize infants? Um, and the the, the baptist view is the next blank. It's C, uh, household baptisms that are in the New Testament. So let's read a couple of these. I think we've got time. Uh, let's read a couple of these household baptisms. So Acts sixteen fifteen. Acts thirty Acts sixteen thirty-three and then 1 Corinthians one sixteen. So who's got Acts sixteen fifteen? Yes, skip.
1: And when she and her household were baptized.
0: Who's she? Sorry. Lydia? Lydia, yes, good.
1: She begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she constrained us.
0: Yeah, so the, the Protestant uh baptist view would say, Look, right there, her household is baptized. Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going to verse 33. You got it, Shelby? Yep. It the Whoop, hang on just a sec, sorry.
1: The floor fan motor has up on this unit. Okay. You're done. I, was, air for the day.
0: I was wondering. I thought I was either under conviction or there's some air conditioning problem. So. <laughs> well, it was working earlier right. this morning. It was, so yes, it, it was the great. Up, and so it okay. The Thank you for letting sorry me know. That. No, 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 I appreciate you letting me know. Uh, and Everybody okay? Anybody need a drink of water? That's why I've drunk about two-thirds of that bottle of water already, because I am dying. So, But verse 33, yes.
1: And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all... And
0: who's this? this is the, we're in Philippi at this point, by the way, guys. And there's a, there's a jail that somebody just got out of. So who might we be talking about? The Philippian jailer? Yep. Keep going.
1: And to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds... And he was baptized at once. He and all
0: his family. See? Right there. He and all his family. Infant baptism. There it is. 1 Corinthians uh, one sixteen. I got it. Yep. We're coming back. Don't worry. Don't worry. There's more verses in your text there Did you see on the page, right?
2: <clears throat> and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other.
0: Yes. All right. So you say... Household baptisms. Well, are there any indications in any of those texts that there was faith? Yes, there was. Acts 16, 32, 33, and 34. Now, I will grant you there is not in Lydia. There is nothing in Lydia. There's just a the household. That's it. Period. But the other two, there is. So, 16, 32 through 34. He's got it? Acts. Sorry. Oh, you read, the, you read the other verses as well. I was wondering why it took so long. Okay. I thought 33 is not that long. If you look at... I'm going to look over your shoulder. And they, verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to... All. all. who were in his house. Right? So everybody got the gospel presented. Then look at 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Well, even,
1: I mean, even Lydia, a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart.
0: Yes, but did, does the text explicitly say that her household heard the uh, message? No. Nope. Yeah, so that's why I would say,
1: okay.
0: I think if Lydia was a worshiper of God, somebody in her house might have heard about it too, maybe, but if the text doesn't explicitly say it, I don't want to assume it. So 1 Corinthians sixteen 15. who's got that one? Stephanus shows up again, which I think is a really cool name. We ought to have more Stephanuses <laughs> until you get to the plural, and then it gets awkward, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: Uh, 1615, I urge Yes. Brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints.
0: Who has devoted themselves? They, they and they were the first fruits. And first fruits is only a term ever used talking about harvesting or spreading of the gospel. So that is that there is a harvesting. That was taking place. And if you think, well, that was written at the end of the letter, that was a different time than the first part of the letter. Now, the letter was all written at the same time. So, this is the same perspective. So, we, we see that there is faith elements in these household uh, conversions, uh, household baptisms. So, I, I just I really don't think that there's much New Testament evidence for infant baptisms per se. Yes? So- Rabbit holes are fun sometimes. The Roman
1: Catholic Bible being different.
0: Yes, it is.
1: And the other version of the Bible. Is it possible, like, are there verses in there that support this?
0: So the extra books in the Roman Catholic Bible are the Apocrypha. And they are... the, the majority of them are historical looks at Old Testament type settings uh, it's been probably 20 years since I read it so if anybody wants to pipe up and say is there uh, oh here's a good word for you Deuterocanonical I can't say it I can see it Deutercanonical. Deutera- Deutera- I think that's the phrase which describes extra biblical it's another word for the apocrypha it's the books there Um, Is there evidence in the Apocrypha for infant baptism? Does anybody know? Dave, you know?
1: Well, not that I recall. Again, it's been another 20 years since I've read them as well. But the majority of the New Testament writings of Paul are correcting misuse of theology within the church. Right. And being that the New Testament is canonical and it's been proven to be...
0: Two points for correct use of canonical... Yes.
1: Sorry, uh,
0: we did q and A Q&A Wednesday night with several folks that have taught through First uh, John, and we had somebody from the audience correctly use propitiation, and she pronounced it properly. And I was like, five points for you.
1: Correct usage of <laughs>
0: propitiation is fantastic. So, so since,
1: since it's not something that Paul corrected in the in, in the New Testament text, I mean that tells us a little something for Yeah. That, that it wasn't widely practiced right. at the time right. uh, for which, you know, Paul would correct you. Yeah. And,
0: and that's the, there's a big chunk in Grudem's uh, chapter where he goes into kind of when this started and why it started is because this is a lot easier. And if you, you go back and you read Pato early Pato Baptist uh, doctrine, it's because it's a lot easier. Right. There weren't a lot of places where you could go get enough clean water to completely submerge somebody and everything be safe. You to see
1: some moving videos. Look like the ones in Iraq and Iran. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. soldiers getting baptized, you know, the front-end loader. Right. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, that is, you, know, you are really serious to yeah, jump in the yeah. front of a front-end loader. So, I yeah. mean, it really is a testimony of it. Yeah. But, you know, it was very clear in, in the New Testament yep. scriptures that we've already seen that this is the way you do it. Yeah. So it's kind of assumed that, you know, I don't have to tell you not to lay down in the middle of the road. I shouldn't have to.
0: I would think. I would think. Uh, Can you get me another water bottle? Not you. You've got a question, Sean. Can you? Thanks.
2: Years of elementary and high school Bible just popped into my head. Yes. And I remember at one point being taught that in the early church, some of the kids and women would not turn to salvation publicly until the father did. Mm. Because it was kind of slapping his face, mm. culturally. And that's why they had the family baptisms, because the kids and the women were already saved, but they wouldn't publicly get baptized uh, until.
0: Interesting. So. I can see that as a, it feels like a plausible, yeah, you know. Doesn't feel like. like a Facebook link that we clicked and we go,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> something crazy is about to happen, right? yeah. Mm. yeah yeah. thank you very much holy mackerel I've got that's all we had folks this is enough to do a pouring uh, which is called an infusion um, so yeah it's just like split the credo pedo thing here we go mm. is it flavored oh no no it's not I'm just going to hold it right here though there we go awesome yes I feel did somebody have a question over here no, you're making a comment about the water bottle. All right, great. Somebody's. I'm going to go back and listen to this five years from now and go, what was going on? Like, what what was that about? It's craziness. Um, all right, so point C, we'll, we'll move kind of on here. Point C, the effect of baptism. So what is it? This is my office space line. So what is it that it actually does, right? I and mean, what do you actually do? Um, And Grudem kind of settles on the fact that, here's your next blank, there's a blessing of God's favor that comes with all obedience, right? When when we obey, when we do what the Bible commands, there's an element of, cool, we did what the Bible commands. Um, I'll keep going here. The joy that comes through the public profession of one's faith and the reassurance of having a clear physical picture of the dying and rising with Christ of washing away sins. This is a beautiful thing. Uh, now, for the introverts in the room, I get that the public profession of one's faith, this is uh, a bit different, but there is a joy that comes from saying, I am a believer, and this is good. Um, and it's, it's just a positive thing. So, uh, D is the necessity of baptism. So, is it, is it necessary for salvation? Is kind of what he's saying here. Um, so, Jesus commands it in Matthew 28, 19. The apostles commanded it in Acts two thirty-eight. 38. But here's your blank. We should not say that baptism is necessary for salvation. Uh, and, and the reality is Luke uh, 23, 43. Where am I going with that one? Anybody know? On Thief on the cross. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hebrews, uh, I think it's 9, talks about... I want to say nine thirty two. I think I'm wrong on that. Uh, talks about when the new covenant actually began. Because there's an argument that says, well, the new covenant didn't begin until Jesus rose again. No, 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 no. The new covenant began at Jesus' death. That's when the New Covenant began. That's when this happens. And the thief on the cross, did he die before Jesus or after Jesus? After. How many hours after? It's in hours, right? It's not in days or weeks or months. I mean, this is hours after Jesus dies. Did the thief on the cross, who confessed Christ, because there was one that did and the one that didn't, so we're talking about the one that confessed Christ, just to make sure we're on the right, on the right side here. I wonder if he was on the right side. <laughs> He was on the right... That's what my brain went. He was on the right side from somebody's perspective. Yes, he was. Great. Um, and now I've got to say, he was on the right side from God's perspective. Okay, there we go. God, it's all out of my system now. We'll move on. Uh, but that, that man did not have an opportunity to be baptized, right? And Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. Which is... I mean, how cool is that? You know, a few hours later... You, you see the one that told you how you... That, what a neat perspective on his, Christianity, right?
2: His profession of faith in Christ there was very public.
0: Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yes. Was
2: very public. Ah, that's their, good. Their labored breathing would have exaggerated. Yes. Their, they would have had to just about scream in order to get it out. So everybody there heard it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So he had a public profession. He just didn't have the water. All right, now I've got something to think about for the next three weeks. You guys make me twitch sometimes. I'm like, oh my goodness. All right, so then uh, E, the age for baptism. Uh, How old uh, should you be uh, to be baptized? Well, Grudem would say old enough to give a believable profession of faith, right? So you can say, here's my faith experience, then cool. Let's baptize. Let's baptize. Now, the question becomes... Uh, there's two questions in the remaining questions, because he always has these little miscellaneous sections, and most of the time I don't mess with them in here, but I, th- I think it is important. Um, do churches need to be divided over baptism? And, and this, is a, this is a very difficult question to answer, because there are very few churches that say, we're okay with credo-baptism and pedo baptism uh, Evangelical free would be one. Uh, and they're probably the only one, because it is a very difficult thing to be able to line up theology for and theology against in the same congregation. This gets very challenging. One of the reasons is because if you want to leave one church congregation and go to another church congregation and say, well, I've been baptized, and then the new church either does not recognize your earlier baptism, this can be a bit awkward, Right? Raise your hand if you've had that conversation in the altar of a church before when someone wants to join a church. Hi, my name's Jim. Uh, it gets very awkward at times because that's, this is not the thing that we are talking about. So uh, this can be a very challenging thing. And then the other question is, who can baptize? Uh, and the, the Scripture just doesn't give any restrictions on who can perform this ceremony. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Daryl, I was, I was probably three or four minutes away from starting Sunday school and I was closing the doors in the kitchen, and Daryl walked in. And he's like, hey, uh, Kim's getting baptized this morning, and uh, you're doing it. He was like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, she's getting baptized this morning. And I asked her, and she said uh, she was cool if she did it. I was like, all right, give me a second. And I, I started, you know, I do my stare off into space thing, and Julie makes fun of me when I do this, but that's all right. And Daryl goes, it's not in there. I was like, just... G- just a second I'm looking and I'm looking and he's like it's not in there I'm like just a second and I'm going through the passages in scripture in the New Testament and talk about baptism and who did it and who didn't and is there any restrictions and he's like it's not in there you can you're doing it <laughs> yep you're right okay all right I'm good <laughs> I, and I just needed to check and make sure that we're not about to do something that's kind of the Bible doesn't allow right um, so there's really not any restrictions on who can perform a ceremony of baptism, other than to say that it seems like the person that's baptizing ought to be a believer. Would would we say that there's probably that much is true? I think that's a reasonable expectation. Uh, and with that, that's the lesson on baptism. So, um, yes, Dave.
1: Uh, one of the things I was struggling with when I was going through seminary is the fact that they, a lot of the like the, the mechanics of operating and running a church. <laughs> They don't—they don't, they don't actually teach you. Yeah. In fact, when I was working for the Chattanooga Christian Community Foundation, I ran into a research project that said that the average MDiv or ThM in America prepares a pastor for less than 15 percent of what they actually need once they get into a church. Yeah. So, at the time, I just said, "All right, well, that seems really silly." So, and Chuck Spindell was the president of Dallas Seminary at the time, so I. I wrote in and asked them if I could give up all my remaining electives for my degree and do them all as internships. Hmm. And because I'm like, I'm not going to get someplace and not know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just seems really silly to me. So, so that's how I ended up you know, the, you know, leaving Stewart Heights and went to Central Baptist. Huh. And I was on staff there for years. And, and that, that's where it came from. And the very first thing that they taught me when I walked through the door was, all right, here's how to baptize.
0: Yep. Because hmm. there is an art to that, well, which I learned <clears throat> with Kim. <laughs> <important things to laughs> yeah. Children float. Yeah, yeah, That's awesome. Children float. That's, <laughs> That's got to be, so if you want to tweet about this Sunday school lesson, you have to use the hashtag, children float. <laughs> You have to use the hashtag, children yeah. That's awesome. Oh, honey, we weren't talking about you. We're not We're not getting you wet. You're good. Mama's got you. Mama's got you. Oh, that is just. Now a, I need Julie, right? This is what happens. Yeah. I make the babies cry. All right. So at your table, there is a, a sheet of paper there that says weekly update. So lean in. Pray as a table. After you've prayed as a table and shared any prayer requests, you are free to go. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today.